0: I will welcome everybody. So great to have you all with us today. We are now going to enjoy a webinar from Greg Marcello from Learn, and this is part two of a two part webinar on project management for contract education. We will be recording this and we will upload the recording to our contracted podcast. And if you look at Faith's or my signature in our email, that'll give you a link to our podcast. Faith will also be emailing everybody uh, a project management document after the webinar today. So I've got everybody muted. Um, If you could use the chat room for questions, really, really appreciate it. And um, we're thrilled to have Greg Marcello back. So Greg, I'd like to turn it over to you.
1: Great, thank you, Margaret. And thanks for everyone joining me today. And those of you who were on last week, thanks for coming back. Um, And I appreciate all the great feedback during last week's webinar and questions and utilizing the polls and all those types of things. So that was lots of fun and we'll do the same thing this time around. Um, And so I look forward to sharing part two with you and covering some more things as it relates to project management uh, for contract education. So last week, um, we covered what is project management and project management and contract education, and then we reviewed the project management model. This week, I'm going to provide a few varying project management best practices tips. We're going to look at a contract education project management example, which you will actually then be receiving from FAITH um, after the webinar, so you'll get the whole thing along with On the slide deck from last week and this week and then we'll wrap it up by talking about implementing project management. You know, as we did last week. um, If you have any questions while I'm presenting, feel free to type them in and Margaret can cut me off at any time and say, hey, we've got a question and she can ask it. So Feel free to ask your questions whenever or if you've got questions you want to hold till the end, you know, that's fine too. Last week, what we did is we had a variety of different ways that you were engaged, and we will do that again this year. I mean, this year, this presentation. Um, and so um, one, at one point, I'm going to ask you for your reaction to something I'm going to share. We'll do a couple of things in the chat room where I'll be looking for you just to provide some information or feedback. We've got a couple of polls. And then at the end, we'll do another quiz that will cover things that we've covered today. Uh, to just make sure that the things that I wanted to share you actually got and heard. And so, uh, so we'll utilize all these different tools to engage you also as we go through the presentation. Let me just start and um, if there are, you know, any questions from last week uh, that you still have, you know, feel free again to type those in at any time. If there happen to be any now that you have, feel free to type them in now and Margaret can certainly you know, cut in and, and say those to me. But again, the bottom line is making sure you get the information you need. For those of you who weren't on last week, I wanna make it really clear that I am sharing a model, but this is a model that you can simplify, you can make more complex, you can adapt it any way you want. Um, it's just providing sort of my thinking on pro- Project management as it relates to contract education and if there are like three things that you hear during the two weeks that are valuable and you're utilizing those terrific if the whole model works for you. Great. Um, And as I will say at the end, as you start to work on some of these things. If you've got questions that you want to ask me or something you want to show me or whatever. I'm available to any of you individually for that support. So, you know, feel free to utilize me as much as you can to get as much out of this topic as possible. So let me just start before we get into project management and just say that on a monthly basis, I meet with Uh, contract education leaders across North America. We have an advisory group, which anyone can join, so it's not one that people are selected to. And during those monthly meetings, I do three things. One, I give an update to, or learn updates, sort of the things that are going on at Learn. Two, I take a topic and present on it and then we have a discussion. And then the third thing we do are program updates. And a lot of this is probably like some of the things you guys do as your group um, in California. But one of the things we did do earlier this summer is sort of brainstorm what seemed to be some of the topics that were most critical to people right now. And this is a little bit separate from just Adapting to COVID. One of the things, again, if someone wasn't on last week, that Faith sent out after last week's presentation were three reports that I wrote on transitioning or dealing with and transitioning out of COVID. So if you didn't receive them because you're not, uh, you weren't on last week, just let Faith know, and I'm sure she can send those to you. But these were sort of topics that the advisory group felt were topics that were important that I provide information on. They provide time talking, trying to figure out, because they were critical to sort of the work they're doing in contract education right now. So the first was, you know, understanding how to build contract education strategic plans, which is actually the presentation I did in uh, August. The second was contract education visibility, sort of how you make sure that you're visible in your community as well as how do you generate leads and we did that one in September. The third is evaluating the return on investment of training. So how do we make sure that we can demonstrate to whoever we're providing a service to what the return on investment is of what we did and actually I'm presenting on that one in October. And then the other four that we'll be working on over the next four months is what questions to ask when developing a new product or service. So I want to develop a new product. I want to develop a new service. What questions do I need to be asking myself to make sure that this is the right thing to do or not? The next topic was sales staff, key performance indicators. So, you know, what are the performance indicators that we use for salespeople? How do we, how do we ensure that we can keep our salespeople on track and focused on numbers? And then we want to talk about improving sales, of the whole process from leads to closing. And then the last topic was online training solutions and so sort of what are the solutions people are using out there, what's working, what's not working, uh, be it if it's internal or using third-party vendors. And so those are the topics that we're sort of dealing with over the next seven months. And um, I guess what I just was interested in knowing, because it just helps me sort of get a better sense of uh, what the needs are out um, across the board in North America with contract education programs is if you were to sort of look at this list, what seems to be the most important one to you of that list? Um, I can't remember, Margaret, did we set this one to vote on all of them or just to vote on the top, top one?
0: Uh, let me look at the, we gave them all of them.
1: Okay. So, yeah, you can pick which ones you think are important. So, if some aren't important, skip them. Uh, But the ones that are, go ahead and vote Um, so we just get a sense of what seem to be the things that would be most useful to you. So, go ahead and vote. Pick the ones that you think are worth knowing more about. And this is something, you know, that Margaret can use also as she's looking at future webinars and things that you might want to do too. So do I end it, Margaret, or do you? I got end poll here. I've,
0: I've got uh, just a few more people voting, okay. 19 out of 24. I'm, I just wanted to give everybody a chance.
1: Terrific.
0: So that sounds like that's going to be all that are going to vote. So I'm going to end the polling, and I'll share the results. There we go.
1: This is interesting because the strategic plan one fell to the top with you guys too, and that was true with the advisory group. So that's interesting. The ROI is important to you. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and uh, yeah, I wondered about the new product and service questions how, how important that would be to people. Cause I sort of felt like it was a, an outlier a little bit when it came to uh, the brainstorming I was doing with the advisory group. So this, yeah, this pretty well lines up. This is great. Good. Well, thank you very much for voting on that. That just sort of helps me get a better sense of um, what it is that's important to people. So thanks. And Margaret, if there's anything I can help with you on any of those topics, I'm happy to share that stuff, the work that I'm doing.
0: Thank you, Greg.
1: All right, so let me get off there. So the first topic for today is best uh, is project management best practices. And so We're gonna talk briefly about project management tools. Wanna talk definitely about understanding the project manager's job description, how we form core teams, that project team, and how to effectively run project management meetings. And I really feel that some of the discussion around that hopefully will help with just the concept of how to run meetings. So when it comes to project management tools, again, when I was talking at the beginning here, Certainly you can make this simple, you can make this complex. And many people in our industry just use a simple calendar um, that they utilize for their project management, which basically has dates when things are supposed to be set. Gantt Gantt chart is something that lots of folks use just to sort of be able to have those periods of time that something's being worked on. I think one of the things you're gonna see as I talk later is that when we think about the tasks that need to be done, normally they're not just done on one day, they're done over a period of time. So by utilizing a chart like this, that sort of shows that task one, is going to take place during this period of time and task two during this period of time, et cetera, is a useful way to be able to get a quick look to see what we need to be working on now because certainly there are going to be tasks that overlap. There'll be things I might be working on three tasks at one time because they all need to be done but they need to be completed at different times. There are definitely a ton of new project management tools out there that I'm hearing people are using. And they're not just using it for project management like we're talking about here, but a lot of I do a lot of work with operations teams uh, in our industry, and a lot of them are using project management tools now because there's just so many things that they're working on that they need to track. And these are the ones that I've heard um, our our folks talk about that they're using. And so again, if you want to research any of these and see if they're appropriate for what you're doing, but again, when we talk about complexity, a simple a simple calendar, a Gantt chart. These are great examples, great tools for I think the level that we have time to spend on managing projects. So those are tools to consider and think about. When it comes to the project manager's job description and many of you are project managers or will be project managers, et cetera, um, certainly you have jobs that you're doing. And then on top of that, you have a project that you're managing That there needs to be some clarity about what that means from a job description point of view. And so here are a couple of things that I think are important with that job description. First of all, you are the central point of contact for the project. So someone's not going to run to someone else for information. They're coming to you. And again, as I talked about last week, you may be the only person on the project team, but you are the point of contact if you are the project manager. Team members who work with you need to be clear about what their responsibilities are and what they're accountable for. So not everyone's running the show, everyone's got different tasks they're accountable for and they need to be clear about that. So as the project manager, your job is to make sure people are clear about their job and what they're accountable for producing. Most likely that's the tasks, what tasks they're accountable for making sure get complete. You know, if there are any contractual commitments, so if you're working with someone outside of your team, you're contracting for someone to provide you a service, do research, build software, whatever it might be that's being done, develop curriculum, your responsibility to make sure that those people on contract are committing and completing the things they're supposed to do on time. Your job is to prepare a realistic project plan. And I want to sort of talk about this for a minute. We'll talk more about the project plan in a moment. But I want to say that in my mind, in our business, it really is because of the resources we have. It really is the project manager's job to build the project plan. He or she are going to work with the project team to to fine tune it, to make sure, it's doing, make sure it's covering everything it needs to cover. But I think to expect a project team to be able to come together without a first draft of a project plan is gonna be a waste of time. So as the project manager, think of it as that I've gotta be accountable for bringing draft one to the table that people can react to and that we can fine tune and that we can build the final project plan from. You know, a lot of times we believe everyone's got to be engaged in everything to make it, you know, collaborative, et cetera. And I think the project team is collaborative, but it is your responsibility as the project manager to lead this process. And so a big piece of that is coming up with that first draft project plan that then the project team can talk about. You're where all the information is. So if someone needs a past, you know, minutes from a certain meeting, or if someone needs documentation that was put together, uh, someone wants to see the contract that's with one of the contractors you're working with, you've got all that information, you have access to it. It may be on a drive somewhere that others have access to, but basically you're managing it. You're the one who's putting new things in, updating things, whatever it is that needs to be done to keep things current, fresh, and and tied to the project that it's on. And then you're controlling cost. You're controlling the schedule and you're ensuring that if there is going to be variance, if there is going to be change, that that change is approved and all the adjustments that need to be made are made. And then you're responsible for reporting. So whatever reports you've decided that are gonna be generated, who they're gonna be sent to, et cetera, it's your responsible ability to generate those reports. So I think if you're trying to think about if I'm a project manager, what am I supposed to do? To me, those would be sort of the key components of the job. You are definitely the prime player. You are definitely the one who needs to make this happen. So again, if it's just you running the project, to you running 10 people who are engaged in the project, these would be some of the key responsibilities that fall on your plate. So, some of you have done projects, many of you, I'm sure all of you have done projects before, and if you think a little bit about managing a project, being the one who's accountable, and if you think back on sort of some of the things I was just saying, you know, what are some of your reactions? What are some of your experiences running a project? What have been some of the successes? What have been some of the problems of it? Um, So I want you to go to the chat room and just type those things in. You know, they can be two words. They can be a sentence, whatever. Um, And then Margaret will read those to us so we can just sort of hear what it is that your experience has been. This is always helpful to me as I'm trying to sort of think through um, you know, what project management means to you. So, you know, just take a minute, spend a little of time, type in a few things, positive, negative experiences, lessons learned, whatever it might be. Go ahead, take a little time to do it. And Margaret, as you start to see them come up, you can certainly begin to share them.
0: Okay, thank you, Greg. Waiting for that first one. Scope creep is always a challenge.
1: That is a big challenge, and that's, we'll talk a little bit about that change, you know, changing scope, etc. cetera, um, a little bit later here.
0: Then we have organization of project and communication with all concerned are key. Yep. yep. A good communications plan. And I think Identifying options. Hmm. Addressing new opportunities mid-project. Yep. That's kind so of that, like scope
1: creep as well, I think. Yeah, but also it's we because of the work we're doing, we learn something that says, oh, well, maybe we ought to look at this differently. And it is scope and it is change. But again, sometimes when we're doing projects, we learn and find out something that causes us to think differently.
0: And then another um, uh, item here is, it is very important to gather all the people that can contribute. Makes a big deal about the outcome. Um, uh, limited access to internal district resources, such as faculty equipment and accounting square peg in a round hole.
1: Yeah. That, and that, you know, I mean, it's a great point that is contract education's challenge when it comes to trying to get what we need to do our job, be it if it's project management or anything else we're doing, you know, we are not given, you know, in my opinion, we are not given the respect and support we need for the great work we're doing.
0: Right. Um, a couple of other ones, Greg. Weak links and accountability. And then, sort of, this is a second, uh, a second communication, communications and evaluation of the project throughout the implementation phase.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's, that's. Terrific.
1: That's great. That was great. Thank you very much for sharing that. That helps me as we go through the rest of this presentation, think a little bit about things I ought to zero in on and talk about a little bit more. So let's talk about forming the core team. So I said the project team may be just you, or it may be more people. We'll assume for this slide here, we're talking that there are more people on the team than just you. So first of all, and this was what was mentioned there a moment ago, is that you know someone isn't on the team because they just would like to be on the team someone is on the team because they're appropriate to be on the team. So you may be looking at your contract education team, both internal and external, people who impact you externally, and decide who are the people who really are going to help us be successful with this project plan. And in some cases, there may be multiple people who have the same capabilities, but you don't need everybody, you just need one person. And so we need to be clear that the people who are on the team really are the key members, the best people we can have on the team as it relates to this work. So as you think about a certificate that you might wanna build, well, there maybe are lots of people who'd be useful to have on the team from a content point of view, let's say, but there are maybe only certain ones we really are going to select to have on the team because they're going to provide us that information that we need Better than maybe lots of people are going to do that. So we need to be selective about who's on the team. I mean, in most project teams that I've run I've tried to keep the project team at less than eight people because I think once it gets larger than that, it becomes really hard to manage and I even think five or less sometimes with the business, we're in the projects we work on is probably appropriate. The team members need to commit, be it if they sign off on something. And I'm gonna talk later a little bit about sort of a charter for a team when it comes to expectations. But I would say that there should be something that people sign off on and say, they understand the time period, they understand the time commitment, they understand that they're gonna have tasks they're responsible for. Because again, a lot of times people join a team but aren't really fully committed to doing the work that needs to be done. And so we wanna have people who understand that they have work and they need to be committed to do it. Not everyone does everything, just like an appropriate staffing structure in our business. We don't want this A to Z where everything everyone does everything. There may be someone who's got the technology piece better, there may be someone who's got the content piece better, there may be someone who's got the marketing piece better, Again, it depends on whatever the product or whatever the project is that we're doing, but I should be pretty clear if I'm on your core team, why I'm on your core team, why you selected me, what's the key roles that you want me playing on the team. And then you need to make sure, and this is the comment that was made by one person about resources. You need to make sure you have the necessary resources. And I would argue that upfront when you're deciding to do this project, if you know you're not gonna have the resources um, or you know the chances of getting the appropriate resources is low, that's why you're going to your project sponsor and saying, we really can't start to work on this until we know we're gonna get the resources. And if we're not gonna get the resources, we don't control that, that's fine, but we really shouldn't do this project. Why would we waste our time on this if we're not gonna get the resources we need? To do what needs to be done. And then the kickoff team a kickoff meeting is critical and we're going to go through what's part of a kickoff meeting, but we want to make sure That that meeting is a time that all these things we just mentioned people are clear about They're clear about their roles. They're clear about their commitment. They're clear about what the plan is They're clear about the timeline, etc. The as a project manager the better you can do prepping for the kickoff meeting, the more successful the project's gonna be. So if I'm just coming to a kickoff meeting and we're sort of no agenda and we're sort of just gonna talk about what it is we wanna do, guarantee you that's not gonna be very effective. But if we're really clear about the topics that need to be covered and you as the project manager are ready to talk about those topics, most likely they're gonna be much more successful. Just a sidebar for a second, I do want to run I do want to talk a little bit about effectively running meetings. And I do want to say that the best book that I have ever read as it relates to what I call business operating systems, how we operate like a business, is a book called Traction and it's written by a guy called Gino a little bit more about the components of it, because I think it's a good tool to be looking at. And one component of it, it has a great model called the level 10 meeting model that is the best meeting model I've ever worked with in running meetings and I personally feel is very effective in running project management meetings. But I'll talk a little bit more about it in a second. When it comes to effective meetings, there needs to be an agenda. There needs to be purpose for why we're having the meeting. So that's the agenda items. There needs to be duration. I'm a believer that meetings really can't last more than an hour and a half. Once you're at past an hour and a half, you're losing people. Ideally, an hour may well be the best. And then it needs to be clear who the attendees are who are supposed to be coming to that meeting. I would argue for a set day and time. And I would argue actually to set that when you're doing a project for across the scope of the project itself of people know it's every Tuesday at nine o'clock. And if you're on that project team, you have to commit that you're going to be there. Because it can't be something else comes up and I can't attend because of X, Y, or Z. This is part of your commitment that you're going to be at the meeting. So I would argue it's better to plan it out for the whole project, but at the least, you need to be one week prior where people know when the meeting's going to be. So at least deciding at the existing meeting when the next meeting is going to be. You want to stay to the agenda that is the responsibility of the project manager to make sure that you're staying on track, that people are are respecting the meeting and respecting others in the room. Um, and that you're starting on time and you're ending on time and if the meeting is not done by the time it's if the agenda is not fully covered by the time that you get to the end, it should end. And then we just realize that next time we get together, we need to do a better job of staying on track with the agenda. You want to document action items. So I'm not a believer at all in someone taking like copious notes about what was discussed and then typing those up and those get put somewhere. What I'm a believer of is action items or what they call in traction to-dos. What are the to-dos that come out of this meeting? So in project management, there are gonna be a lot of to-dos. There are gonna be a lot of actions that have to take place by the next meeting. Not what has to take place across the project, but what has to take place by the next meeting. And so when we come to the next meeting, we're able to go down that to-do list and people say, either I completed it or I didn't complete it. And we don't discuss it until later into the meeting, but if something wasn't completed, most likely we're gonna need to figure out something about what are we gonna do going forward to make sure this gets completed. So I'm a believer in documenting action items. Um, We wanna make sure that once that meeting is over, Within 12 hours, the next agenda with the action items is distributed. So people have exactly what it was they know they got to do by the next meeting. And if that next meeting is one one week, they got one week to do it. If that's next meeting's in two weeks, they got two weeks to do it, whatever it might be. But the sooner we get out that agenda with the action items, the better. And we will look, when we look at the project plan example I'm going to share, at a level 10 meeting model that could be used for project management. Regarding traction, I just want to say a few things more, and this is a sidebar, but I really believe that for contract education units to be successful, they need to have a business operating system. That's not a software system. This is how you operate day in and day out. Traction or what is called the entrepreneurial operating system is a model for doing this. And again, like I've said, throughout this whole training, you may take pieces of it and use it, but the concept of having a business operating system is critical. Basically the entrepreneurial operating system is built on these six key components. One is your contract training education unit has a vision meaning you know where you're heading, you know where you want to be in three years, you've got core values, you've got core focus, whatever it is that makes up the vision. And everyone understands that and everyone supports it. The second thing is right people, right seats. And again, I understand the challenges of this sometime, but we really need to be clear about what are the seats we need and then what people we need. I teach a lot in my trainings to contract education about the four key positions in contract contract education. Sales, product development, operations, and inside sales. Now you may wear all four of those hats, you may wear two of those hats, but we need to be clear on what the seats are and then we can best determine who the right people are. The third is data. You know, you've got to be collecting and reporting on the right data. You've got to have scorecards that you're looking at, be it if it's weekly, monthly, quarterly, etc. In contract education, the most important data to be looking at is your pipeline. And your pipeline is where are you with contracts or potential contracts in the pipeline? Are we at 90%? Are we at 50%? Or are we at 10%? And every week we should be reviewing that pipeline to make sure we're on track. Next area is process. We need to document the core processes. Contract training has multiple processes to it, be it if it's proposal preparation, contract signing, um, reports that we generate, budgets that we generate. All of those are processes, and we need to document how they're done so that everyone follows them. One of the reasons that normally a business runs into problems or a contract training education unit is because everyone's doing things differently and no one people aren't following the same processes. The next area is issues. Issues are problems. This is one of the things that's key to a level 10 meeting, project management being a clear example. What are the problems? What are the issues we're dealing with? And then IDS means you identify the problem, you discuss the problem and you solve the problem. And that needs to be happening in these project management meetings. And then the last part of EOS is called traction. This is, it relates to, again, this is more relatable to your whole um, uh, contract training unit, is that you have annual goals and then you have quarterly rocks or objectives that you're focused on, making sure it get done, that keep you on track. And then the meetings following the level 10 model, Have to do's that are generated that need to get done so that you're staying on track with what you're doing. So this is a business operating system model as it relates to all of contract education, but there are certainly tools in here, as we'll see going forward that can be utilized for project management. But I really am a firm believer that having a business operating system, how we run our business is really critical. And I will say that I would believe that you'll be way more successful with your project management if you've got a business operating system that ensures that your processes is documented, It ensures you're looking at numbers, it ensures you've got the right people in the right seats, those types of things. And I am not saying any of this is easy. Um, But all I'm saying is if I look at the successful contract education units out there, teams out there, clearly they have something in place that really is how they operate that allows them to keep on track. So I'm just interested on a reaction to this. Again, you know, you can react regarding just contract education in general versus just project management, but this helps me get a sense for, you know, what you're thinking out there as it comes to business operating. I mean, do you have a business operating system? What I just shared is you sort of say, i like to throw a virtual tomato at that. That doesn't mean anything to us, or here's something we're doing that's really successful uh, for us. And again, I also understand that many of you are operating very small units, but I would argue a contract education unit of even three people should be able to have some sort of business operating system in place. So, use the chat room, type in any comments, just like we did. And Margaret, you did a tremendous job reading the first one. So, I will certainly allow you to do the next group.
0: (laughs) Thank you, Greg. I feel like Vanna, (laughs) a little bit of Vanna. (laughs) Oh. So, John uh, Fox shared that their team read the book, What the Heck is EOS?, which also talks about level 10 meetings and they've been using it for six months and he highly recommends it.
1: Yeah, and a great point there. Thanks, John. Is what There's different books that have been written, but what the heck is EOS is what I would say is, of the easiest one for everyone on staff to read. It really zeroes in. It's written for sort of the whole team. So thank you. That's a great recommendation.
0: I always remember the the saying, you know, if you don't have a goal, you don't know where you're going. So having that strategic business plan just seems imperative. And you've mentioned earlier, Greg, about it helps you to say what you're gonna chase and what you're not gonna chase because it doesn't fit in your wheelhouse. And we could get so excited about a new opportunity, but yet yeah. it doesn't fit in our wheelhouse. And I think that strategic plan gives you the boundaries, the parameters and the filters to pick the right projects for your staff, your capabilities, your team.
1: Yeah, one of the things that I really like about EOS model as it comes to annual goals is that it really hits hard on three to seven annual goals a year. You know, what are the three to seven most important things we need to get fixed? We need to improve whatever it is this year versus having 30 things that we know will never get done. Mm -hmm. So I think that allows, it's all about focus. It's all about staying focused. And it's just like running a project management, you know, a, a project with a project management team. You've got to stay focused on what the job is. The more things begin to float off, then the more challenging it is to get the work done.
0: And another comment, Greg, is um, you are right on it. We are a very small unit and need to build more infrastructure you're pointing us to.
1: Yep. And, And that, you know, it's interesting. I love that word because one of the things I find is, one of the things I preach is the concept of revenue generators generating revenue. And so people like someone who's supposed to sell or whatever, they can't do that if they don't have the infrastructure behind them. And I think that term is becoming more important in our industry. And that's not just people, that's technology too.
0: I think that's all the new uh, comments.
1: Super, thanks everyone, that was great. So let's shift into a contract education project management example. And so we're gonna be looking at an example, and this will be the one um, that um, Faith will be sharing with you, but we're gonna talk about building a charter for your contract education project structuring the kickoff meeting, talk about how to close the project and then we'll look at the example. So you got to decide what project. There's lots of different things you can do. One of the things I talked about last week that I do think is important and Margaret was referencing is you can't do everything. So you've got to decide what is it we ought to be working on particularly as it relates to new revenue streams. There may be projects like new software system we're implementing or projects about a new process we need to get documented or something. So there may be projects like that that are projects that really sort of focus on functional things we need to get in place. But a lot of the projects and ones that you talked about last week when you were listing the projects are very much revenue generation projects. And so we need to decide what's going to give us the best return on investment, where our time should go. But when we're selecting a project, you know, we want to be able to write a quick summary of what that project is. We want to be clear about what's called the work breakdown structure, WBS. All this is, is breaking things into smaller tasks. So remember the Gantt chart we looked at. These are the tasks that we need to complete to make sure this project gets done. Talk about resources and making sure we're going to have the resources. That was one point that was made about, well, we might not be able to get the resources. Being able to build that schedule, have that tool that we're using to track, be it if it's a simple calendar, Gantt, or another project management tool. Understand how much this is going to cost, so what's the budget for it. Being aware of the risk, you know, what's the risk management, meaning what's the, that was the scoping comment that was made earlier. There might be issues about funding, maybe not coming through that we thought were gonna come through. Maybe things are probably gonna be much more expensive than really we think they're gonna be. So what are the risks? People's time, just people aren't gonna have the time to dedicate to this project. How we're gonna do our communications is gonna be important. And then what we're doing as it relates to change control. So when selecting the project, all I'm saying to you on this slide is, these are the things you're thinking about. These are the things that are important to keep in mind as you're thinking about the project, where we go from there. And we talked about this last week is that we need to build a project charter. So before you start on this project, there needs to be a charter. There needs to be some documentation that you're gonna be able to refer back to. What's the name? Who's the sponsor? That's the person up the ladder who's gonna take care of problems as they occur. Who's the manager? Who is this project for? Who's the customer? Are there other stakeholders that are part of this? What are their responsibilities if they have responsibilities in this? What's the business objective for doing this? Why are we doing this as it relates to our business? What are the objectives of the project? What are we going to deliver? When are we going to deliver it by? What's the budget? What are some assumptions we just need to keep in mind? How does it link to strategic objectives or even other projects that we are doing? And then how does it sign off? So we looked at this last week. As an example, and we will look at this a moment when I show the full example, but the point here is we need to have a project charter. So if you're going to do a project. If you don't have a project charter, I would argue don't even worry about doing the project because you need to document all of these things as it relates to the project. The example that I'm using here and will be the example for the whole project is a project management certificate program that we're going to build Then you can see who the customer is um, You can see business objectives deliverables when we're going to complete it, what the budget is. This is simple. It's one page. There's not a lot to it. And once we've done it, it's being signed off by the project sponsor. So the person up the ladder who has requested that or has agreed that this project should be done is saying they're going to support this project and then the project manager signing off agreeing that they're going to run this project so we'll look at this as it relates to the other parts of the project in a moment so the kickoff meeting is critical the kickoff meeting is an important piece of what we're doing you know we we've done the charter we know what the project's going to be you heard me say earlier that if you're the project manager you probably have put together a first Draft of the project plan. You've determined who the players are who are going to be on the team. Now we got to call them together for that first meeting. So what's important. So we need to be clear at the beginning of the meeting what the goals are for that meeting itself. What are we trying to accomplish. We want to review the project and the project charter. So we want people to understand What we just saw in that previous chart. Everyone's got a copy of what that project charter is The project sponsor should be there at that first meeting and they should be speaking their support for the project, their perspective, why it's important, all those types of things. This is where you go through roles and responsibilities. So each person you can have, think of a PowerPoint presentation, each person's picture and what are their three to five most important responsibilities as it relates to the project. So again, if I'm sitting in that meeting, I know what my roles and responsibilities are. We need to agree on how communication is going to take place within the team. This is where we might say that this is the meeting tool we're going to use. This is the project tool we're going to use. This is when we're going to communicate to customers and sponsors, whatever that is that we know we need to communicate to. We're agreeing on that in the project kickoff meeting. Um, talking about what the tasks are what the milestones we're looking to reach but the concept of staying on track. So looking at that project plan and being able to say this has got to be done by this date, this has got to be done by that date. Thus it really is reviewing the project plan and making any adjustments, tweaks, changes to that that the team thinks need to take place in order to keep it on task. And then Schedule the project plan meeting. So you may for a smaller project, you may handle that within the kickoff meeting for a larger project, you may say our first meeting is going to be dealing with the project plan and fine tuning it but still Even if you're not doing that in the kickoff meeting you want to review it because this is what people need to be thinking about before you come together to do the project plan meeting and you review that. And then what's the follow-up? What's happening here? How often do we meet that we're going to do? You know, uh, agendas are going to go out with to-dos, whatever it is. But people are clear sort of what follow-up occurs. And so, you know, if I attend a kickoff meeting, I am pretty clear at the end of it what I'm responsible for. I'm clear on what the charter is. I've got a pretty good sense of what the plan is so I can think about it. I know the timeline we're working in. So I got, you know, I really know what's going on. And that's the responsibility of the project manager to be able to run that meeting and run it very clearly. So another thing just to talk about briefly is the closing end of the project. I mean, we talked about the four stages last meeting where we, you know, we initiate a project, we plan the project, we, we control the project project and we close the project. And I think it's important to realize that the closing is really important. One of the hardest things I think with projects is handing them off. Lots of times we run a project and then we live with that project forever. If we're clear on who the customer is, then we're clear on who that project is being handed off to at the end. But also we need to realize that a lot of things we're going to learn along the way ought to be recycled to help us do projects better in the future. And then it is a time to celebrate. I mean, this is hard work and we want to make sure that we're recognizing the people who are on the project team. And we're also recognizing the customers that we're delivering this project for because it's going to be important to them. It's going to be something that hopefully is going to help make their life better and then be more capable in what it is they're doing. So I think the easiest thing now to really get a sense of what I've been talking about is to walk through an example. So as I said, faith will be sending this to everyone. So you're getting a copy of exactly what it is you're going to look at. But when I think of managing this project, the project management certificate program, these are all the things that fit into doing this. And again, let me hark back on what I said earlier today and said last week you'll take this and you'll adjust it to work for you. So, and I don't expect that what you do would exactly look like this, but I would expect that many of the components that are part of this, you would factor in on how you do your projects. So to the left is basically five important questions for the project manager. What is it? Who needs it? So who is it for? Who's the customer? Why are we doing it? So what's the reason to do this project versus doing something else? Am I accountable? And what is my authority? So if I'm a project manager and I've been given a project, I should be able to answer those five questions. Those five questions speak to sort of this project. The project repository is all the components we're going to review you've got a project charter, you've got a kickoff meeting, you've got a project plan, you've got status reports, you've got meeting minutes, you've got lessons learned, you've got closeout. So these are all the components that make up managing this project. So we've looked at the project charter. So again, you'll have a copy of this as part of this sample project. So I won't spend time on that. The kickoff meeting, things we've talked about is summary of meetings, goals, an overview of the project, the project sponsors commitment, who does what, how are we going to communicate? What are the objectives, the deliverables and the dates, either creating, finalizing the project plan or setting a time to do that. And then what are the to do's that have come out of this meeting? So those would be the eight things that you would be covering in the kickoff meeting. And again, we spent some time talking about who should be on that um, team and, and what roles they should play, et cetera. So we got to remember that there's work done prior to this to decide who should be at that kickoff meeting, but they're going to be the people who are going to be most effective in moving this project along. When it comes to the project plan, There's multiple components to this. So first is the resource plan. So basically who are the people? So as I said a moment ago, deciding who should be on this team is the resource plan. And in this example, these are the people who I scheduled to be as part of the resource plan, thus part of the project management team. Are we going to use certain equipment? Are we going to use certain materials? Is there anything else we need to keep in mind regarding resources? So first part of this of the project plan is the resources. The next is what's called work breakdown structure for the project, project plan itself. This is the project management certificate program. So we've got the tasks. We've got whatever the deliverable is going to be we've got who's responsible and if you go back up to the people in the resource plan that's what those initials are for and we've got by when it needs to be complete by and then what's the actual date it was completed could be early could be on time could be late and then a comment again this becomes a resource we can go back to later on to determine well if i were to have done this again how would have i done it differently And so this really is what we're following and trying to stay on track with as it comes with regards to the work that needs to be done, the tasks that need to be accomplished. The project budget itself is what are the items? And then what is the cost? And then again, what was the actual cost and if there's any feedback about that? So what did we actually spend versus what we budgeted? The communication plan is, I would argue, that there should be project team meetings on a weekly basis. There should be project sponsor updates monthly. So the project sponsor on a monthly date is getting some sort of, and this could be written, which is always best. This could be just face to face. This can be an email, but that the sponsor knows how we're doing with the project. The third is a customer update. So whoever's going to receive this, getting an update on a monthly basis on status. I mean, I think in anything we do, we know how appreciative people are about hearing status. And even if we're off track, they'd rather know that than all of a sudden the date comes and the project's not done or whatever it is that we're doing. So monthly updates to our customers. And then the final report would be the date that this is done, what information are we providing? So we'll look at this a little bit more too. As part of the project plan is the change request. So someone talked about scope creep and scope creep is critical. Um, If it's gonna happen, there needs to be a change request. As the project manager, this is my project, this is my project plan. I am not changing from it unless the project sponsor says it is okay to change from it. So there needs to be some sort of form that is filled out and that the project sponsor and the project manager would sign off on. Um, And if that change impacts the work, um, work breakdown structure, dates are going to change, et cetera, then we need to make that adjustment too. And that might mean letting the customer know it's going to be 1015, not 915, that we're going to be complete, et cetera. But we should not just sort of adapt to the change we should make sure that we agree on the change and that we get approval to make the change. The risk plan is just sort of where do we think we have issues that we're going to deal with. So, yeah, stakeholder report, you know, we maybe got some issues there. The stakeholders maybe aren't as engaged as we need them to be. So we're going to mitigate it by staying in contact with them or by engaging them maybe once a month with what's going on. You know, business, local support, you know, we're doing this certificate, but we're not really sure if people are going to buy it. And we've got to do some work to get out there to engage people as well as to be marketing, et cetera, what's going to be done here. You know, competition, there may be competition out there doing what we're doing, um, and we may adjust or transfer a little bit about what ours is going to look like in the case of this certificate pre- program because of what we're seeing the competition do and the work we're doing. And then time frame, you know, yeah, we're feeling good about it. This We think we've given ourselves plenty of time. We've done certificate programs in the past that have been completed in this window, and so why can't we do that this time? So when it comes to status reports, so here's a status report and this status report is going to the project sponsor, or excuse me, to the customer. This one's going to the customer. So, you know, this is a status memo. This is who it's from. These are the people who are part of the team. This is what it is, the date of it. And then this is just talking about, this is what we accomplished. These are the issues we're dealing with. This is the overall status of the project. I mean, this does not have to be something that is in-depth, long, et cetera. It's just looking at what we're supposed to be doing and how we're doing with it. And if there are issues we're dealing with that are something that the person you're reporting to, be it if it's a sponsor or being a customer that they can help you with, we wanna make them aware of that. And I, I'm, a, I'm a real believer in this concept of on-track and off-track. So be it if it's in a meeting, we're on-track or off-track or if it's in a report, I think people understand that concept of being on-track or off-track. And I do really believe, appreciate knowing if something is off-track, even though they might not be happy it's off-track. So this is an example of a level 10 meeting model. It's a little bit different than maybe what you would see in the book traction because there's other components of normal level 10 meetings that you do. But as a model, here it is. It's a weekly meeting. This is the date. This is the time. It's a one hour meeting. These are the to do's from the last meeting who is responsible and was it done or was it not done? If it's done, it comes off the list. If it's not done, it's going to stay on the list. What's important is, is that when you're going down the list and you're talking and people are reporting done or not done or on track or, well, you, know, excuse me, in this case done or not done, if it's not done, you don't discuss it now. If someone feels a need to discuss it, you add it to the issues list as a topic to discuss. One of the main things that derails meetings is when people are doing reporting out like this, and then all of a sudden the conversation focuses on this. And that really isn't the priority. That isn't really where we need to be spending our time. And so if I had something that was not done, or someone else didn't finish something that I was kind of, it was kind of weird they didn't, I might say put that on the issues list so we can discuss it. The issues list is all the things you will need to talk about and the to do list should take five minutes. And the ending and wrap up should take five minutes. So basically, this is 50 50 minutes of the meeting. This is primarily where you're dealing And so there are issues that were left over from the last meeting. There are issues that have been added during the last week. And there are issues that may come up as people are reporting out or whatever or even just someone says gee there's an issue i just thought of that's not on the list let's get it on the list in running this part of the meeting which is the critical component of the meeting it is the responsibility of the project manager utilizing the team to agree on at least what are the three most important things to be dealing with so if this list were 10 things We'd want to agree on what are the three most important and deal with those first. And it's not voting and all of this. It's just as a project manager, you can get a sense from the room what's really critical. And you say, looks like target audience and the objectives and outcomes and curriculum building are the key things. Let's deal with those first. Here we go. Let's deal with number one. And then it's the responsibility of the person managing the meeting, uh, the project manager, excuse me, to make sure that we are discussing that and we're getting resolution. Think of IDS, what's the issue? Have the discussion and come up with a solution. During that discussion, new to-dos are generated. So a new to-do list is built. Is built. And so as you wrap up in the last five minutes, you're just reviewing the to-do list so people know what they're responsible for going forward over the next week, besides their tasks. They've got their tasks to do. But what are specific to-dos that need to get done? And then the reason this is called a level 10 meeting is that everyone rates the meeting one through 10. One, it was a disaster, ten, it was outstanding. Ideally, the score should be eight or higher by everyone. And if someone scores it less than eight, you just want to understand why it was less than eight so you can improve it next time. But be it if you use this or some other model, to me, this is it. These are the minutes. The to-dos are the minutes. These are the actions we need to take going forward. The next is lessons learned. So as we're wrapping the project, as we're handing it off, et cetera, these are questions to ask ourselves. General questions, stakeholder questions, the initiation, the planning, the controlling, the closing questions. So this is your evaluation. This is your way of taking a look at, how did we do? And so as a project team, we wanna make sure that we answer all these questions at the end, again, to serve as recycled help for going forward. So if we do a project again, we know the things that work, the things that didn't work, how do we control, how do we make adjustments going forward? And then as we close it out, the final report, um, you know, basically, Going through the project, you know, um, did we deliver? Are there any internal issues left? Whatever those questions are that are listed there, personnel issues, external issues. And basically that becomes the final report that you're producing as sort of the closeout for what you did. So between the lessons learned and the closeout, that really is becoming sort of to your project sponsor primarily, you know, what it was, how it worked, what our problems were, etc. So If you go back just over this quickly, there's questions that you ask yourself as a project manager. There's a project charter that you need to build. There's a kickoff meeting that you need to run. There's a project plan that needs to be built that has resources, that has work breakdown structure, that has a budget, that has a communication plan, change request and risk plan. There are status reports to whoever you've decided you're going to report to, some format that you're reporting. Your project management meetings have a model that you use to hold your meeting by, and then as you're wrapping up, you're doing the the evaluation, et cetera, that allows you to be able to close out the project and move on from the project. So those are the things to think about there as we sort of think about a project as an example. Remember the first meeting I talked about, you know, a new software system is a project, or certificate program is a project, there may be a new revenue stream that we're working on that's a project, there may be a new process we want to add. So some projects can be very simple and some projects are going to be more complex. So I guess my question for you in light of sort of the discussion or the information up until this point last week and this week that I have been sharing, I'm interested in, you know, yes or no. Can you envision following this example? Is this something? And again, remember, you can adjust it. So it's not like we got to follow it exactly the way it is. But are you saying to yourself, oh, man, I mean, I got so much to do. We could never do this. Or yeah, all right, maybe I'll make some tweaks to it, but certainly it's something I could utilize um, to help me manage my projects better. So go ahead and respond and and uh, Margaret, when you think you've got most of it or all of it, let us know.
0: Thank you, Greg. In our chat room, we're having people say, this is a fantastic, great model, clear how to use it. Um, This is very usable. Thank you, Greg. So we're having some real positive feedback in the chat room.
1: Positive seeing that most people feel they could use it. And again, I better than anybody else who you work with understand the frustrations of you trying to do your job. And all the chaos and all the things that happen and when we don't get the support and things like that. And so we always give it our best. And in the case of like a, 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 a plan like this is, yeah, you do it the first time and you're going to be X percentage successful. I would argue it probably takes at least three times doing it until you might sort of feel like, oh, I think we've got this under control. I think this is working for us.
0: It's almost like a learned behavior. You have to get it to muscle yeah. memory. And you do. So, so one question came up and I I could answer, but I want you to answer it, Greg. <laughs> How many projects can reasonably be managed at any time I'm envisioning all the projects underway and needing management and I'm feeling tired already?
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I mean, well, Margaret, since you feel like you have an answer to it, go ahead and then I'll react to what you say.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I'm gonna say it depends on the capacity of your staff. Many many of our contracted units are running on a half-time person who may be doing contract ed, adult ed, and community yeah. education all out of one office. So, they are going to have less capacity than I think the, the, the largest unit we have has an executive director and approximately 12 to 15 staff. So, for me, it's, it's capacity of staff, and you have to look at your strategic plan. Your strategic plan is going to give you those goals that will provide the direction which projects you should be working on and how to prioritize them.
1: And my reaction is the less projects, the better. Be really clear about what's important. We tend to take on things we don't need to take on. So last week, again, I showed you a model to sort of help you decide about new revenue streams, but you could use that same model as a way of thinking about, well, what projects are important or whatnot, or Another, another, and it's hard without the picture here, but, but there's a concept in our that we use at Learn called Star Dog, and this was developed by the Boston Consulting Group. Think of a four-quadrant chart where, um, as I'm facing the screen, to my le- top left is a star. Below that is a cash cow. Top right is a problem child. Below that is a dog. So think of all the projects you have. And as you think about the ones that are going to have the best return on investment for you. Now, I don't just mean in dollars, it could be in visibility, it could be in increasing staff productivity, it could be in whatever. But think about those 20 projects you've been told to do and then plot them in one of those four boxes. You know, the stars being the ones that if we did this, the impact is gonna be significant. The dogs being the ones, this is gonna take us forever this is going to take a lot of resources and eh, you know, really what's the return on investment. The the cash cows ones are ones where you're saying, all right, it's not gonna have as big an impact as a star, but if I have more time, then yes, I could work on those. And the problem children ones are the ones that in my mind, you just haven't figured out yet what the project is. You're just not clear yet about what that project is. So. I just need to do more work on this before I can decide if really is something I should work on. So less projects, the better. Utilizing some tool to rate them, to decide, you know, what is the most important to the least important, I think is an important thing too. That's a great, it's a great question. It's a great question. It is
0: a good question. Um, we have one other question, um, Greg, and it was the, the, the individual felt that this was a simple to the point model. He really appreciates it. Asking a question about a detail page that might help them track facilities, supplies and equipment.
1: So so the question is sort of back on here um, with the project plan. Maybe I think maybe I'm hearing with the resources like two and three, where maybe we have something that helps us track um, uh, if we've got that or not, I, I th- if I'm understanding the question, certainly. I mean, as a project manager, you may not. That may not be something that everyone's seeing, but it's clearly something you're keeping track of to make sure you know you sort of got what it is that you need. You're receiving things when you're supposed to receive them. You've got the the space that you need to be able to use to do what you need to do. So yeah, I think. And if and if you see it as a challenge of the project then yeah, add it to whatever it is is in your meeting to review those things just to make sure that you're not seeing those to be any issues that you're running into. Okay, thank you. So implementing project management. So let's talk a little bit more about controlling changes. Let's talk about um, ways of managing the team. Let's talk about your relationship with the customer. And then let's talk about overload, which was the question I think was being asked a moment ago. So, when it comes to the changes, we talked about having some sort of change form, et cetera. People need to request changes. It's not just something someone says and then they assume something's going to happen because it's got to go through a process and be approved. Thus, it needs to be logged in as the project manager. I should be keeping track of all the different requests, all the change requests that are being made. Got to decide the impact on the project. So before the team even goes to the project man, project sponsor for approval, you've got to decide, you know, yeah, I get it. And this change may be useful to do, but maybe we should finish this project first and then do something in addition that supports this change. I mean, we don't want to derail what's going on. Sponsors got to approve or re- reject. So you may recommend a change, but the sponsor may say, nope, I want you to stay on track. I don't want that change to take place now. And if approved, this is what I was saying earlier, if approved, you may have to change, you know, your task schedule there. You may have to change some of the responsibilities of people on the team. So as a change is implemented, you've got to think about how it impacts everything else you're doing. When it comes to managing the project team, I think it's important that people who are on the team understand that um, why they're on the team. So that's the part about understanding their responsibilities and those types of things so that they they get it, they understand why they're there. I think it's useful to have a team charter that is speaking to adequate, how decisions are made, how meetings are called, like it's a one-pager. And this could be used for all teams. It's not just being used for this team. But when we do project teams, these are the expectations of the participants. And then I'm a believer that you know you might have five people on your team, and two of them are doing rock star work. You recognize, you reward the rock stars. You know, I mean, I'm a firm believer that teams get things done. But a lot of times there are rock stars on teams who need to be recognized because that then shows the other uh, others on the team what they need to do in order to be performing at the level you want your team performing at. And then when it comes to sort of the customer relationship, so this is the person who you're doing the project for. You gotta be clear upfront about their requirements, so that's when we're deciding to do this project and that's when we're building the charter, et cetera. We've got to be clear that whatever it is we're going to do are going to meet their requirements. So they need to agree um, that what we're doing is going to give them what they want. So if it's a certificate program for business and industry, they got to buy into it. If it's a new software system for your operations team, they got to buy into it. Um, have plans for customer involvement. So be it if on a monthly or bimonthly or whatever basis you're engaging them, doing that quick update, So you can just make sure that there are not shifts or things that you need to be aware of. Um, And you want to get their final approval. When you actually hand it off, they've got to sign off and say, we've received it. We've got it. We're running with it. Um, And again, that's the part of the project team handing off, giving up whatever it is they've been working on. So those are some things to think about. And then when it comes to overload, um, I will say in our business, we're always overloaded. Um, we clearly always have more on our plates than probably we can handle. So, you know, that's our life. That's the business we're in. We've sort of selected that. But if I'm running multiple projects, I want to list my projects. So I want to know what projects I'm working on or, or what teams I'm on. It may not even be a project I'm running, but it's a team on. I wanna be clear on sort of what are the next steps I need to do. So I'm thinking about over the next two weeks what has to happen. You gotta get away from being overwhelmed by everything and basically say, okay, this is what's gotta be done now uh, versus, oh, I'll never get this done, but let me get this done in this week's period that needs to be done. So the quick hits, the to dos are important. You know, feeling like you've accomplished things. Um, So sometimes a task can be too big, and you need to break a task down into multiple tasks so that you can feel like you've completed something. Um, Prioritize steps, you know, what's left to do, what's most important, what's least important, particularly if we begin to get off track with projects. And then this is what I do. I mean, every week I build a list that says this is what's going to get done this week. And then every day I look at that list and either I update it or I make the list for the day. And you know, there's lots of you know training and tips. And I'm sure many of you have great instructors to teach about how to handle overload. But I do think there are certain types of people who are good at managing projects and there are certain type of people who don't. don't. And I would say one of the most critical components of a good project manager is someone who can be calm, someone who's not going to get, you know, ruffled by this. So if you're the kind of person who just can't really handle like chaos, then probably running a project is not going to be the best thing for you to do. Being on a project team may be very valuable and it's going to help you learn going forward how you can do projects too because you know a good project manager or and that's a, actually that, sorry I don't like to talk that way where I change but you know the thing about a project manager is I'm not a believer that the project manager is the subject matter expert. I have seen projects run by people who are great project managers and they make sure that the people who are those subject matter experts, the people who have the expertise get the work done. And so as you think about your projects, don't always think that the person who's running it is running it because they're the expert. They should run it because they're good at running projects. I worked on an enormous software implementation project where actually we contracted with a person to be the project manager because that's what they were good at. And so as you think about some of your projects, you've got, I'm sure, people who teach project management. And they may well actually be the better resource to be the project manager than maybe someone on staff. And it'll, and that becomes their accountability. That's what they're getting paid for, and so maybe a better chance that they'll help keep you on track. Just something to think about, particularly a large project, a really sort of extensive project. So it is quiz time as we wrap up. So these are the questions that you're going to answer. You just write them down next to on a piece of paper, and then the next slide will show you the answers. So the project manager is responsible for developing the project plan, true or false? What is a critical component of project meetings to ensure um, continued progress? Three, what is your next step after finalizing your project charter? Four, what is one of the biggest challenges for keeping projects on track? And then five, a project manager who wants to remain on track should schedule workload how often? So take a moment answering those for yourself, and then the next slide will show you at least my answers to them. Um, And we'll see what that brings. As you're doing that, um, let me just say we've come to the end of this, a reminder that Faith will send the project example. If you weren't on last week and you didn't get the COVID updates, feel free to ask Faith for those and you also will get the slide deck um, for you to be able to have for yourself to look at and utilize. So what are the answers? The project manager is responsible for developing the project plan. True. What is a critical component of project meetings to ensure continued progress? Action items, those are the to-dos. What is the next step after finalizing your project charter? That's your kickoff meeting. What is one of the biggest challenges for keeping projects on track? That's changes. And a project manager who wants to remain on track should schedule workload how often? Weekly. So looking weekly at what I need to do this upcoming week to stay on track. So that's your quiz. So let me just stop. Margaret and just say if there are any other questions or comments or things that people have made, um, we've wrapped this up um, with our two sessions and I've had a great time. I've really enjoyed it. So anything that's come up, Margaret, that we need to answer before we close this?
0: The the one thing that I did put in the chat room was the Boston Consulting Strategic Management, uh, that tool, which they're calling a matrix
1: growth yes. share. That's it.
0: And I did put a link to that in the chat room. And um, we don't have any questions. We've got some thank yous. I think people are really enjoying this series, Greg. So you've done an amazing job putting it together. And I love how you've tailored it for our industry. Um,
1: That's really appreciated. So thank you. Well, thank you. And again, let me just remind you that if you've got questions, you know, feel free to email me. That is my email address. I'm happy to answer them for you, help you in any way I can. And those of you who really haven't seen the resources and things that Lauren does, and Margaret and team provide you great resources, and we've been really. Fortunate to be able to provide some of those resources, but uh, there are other things that we can do that support you certainly take a look at our site and see what it is that we do. Um, We are having our virtual conference. um, uh, In November, and this will be our first time doing a full conference virtually so that'll be very interesting. You guys led that uh, when you did your summit earlier in the year. Um, So we'll be interested to see how it goes, but there's lots of great topics and things that people are sharing there, too. So, you know, that may be something to look at also.
0: Right. And for those of you that don't know, LEARN is a membership organization. Um, The TAP currently does not have a membership, but we have encouraged our different colleagues across the state to consider putting that into their budget. So we did have one question here about Does LEARN have a publication that captures what you've delivered, plus other things? And LEARN has an amazing website. As a member, there are a lot of resources. They will actually come into your unit and do an audit of your practices and give you really one-on-one consulting for how to improve your unit. So, um, I would encourage you to go to that learn.org website to learn more about LEARN. And Greg, anything you want to say about that?
1: Yeah, there isn't a particular publication we wrote on this, or I wrote on this. There is an online course I developed. And so this is where I pulled some of this information from. But I would say with the slide deck you've got and with the example you've got, you know, you probably got the prime things that you need. Um, to work with this. I mean, again, you know, I'm teaching in some cases what are considered some general project management concepts, but trying to sort of relate them to what we do in our business. So I think if you're looking for more detail, there are other publications out there that, you know, are written specifically about project management.
0: Okay, well, no, no other real questions coming up in the chat. Just a lot of thank yous, great information. Um, they appreciate all that you share with them from your experience and successes, uh, Greg. And again, we feel so um, fortunate, you. That, you know, to have you as a resource for our state because what you bring is a wealth of knowledge across the United States to our colleagues here in California. So. Oops.
1: Keep up the good work, everyone. You're doing great stuff. No one does what you do, and yeah, it's hard times, but we're gonna come out of it and we're gonna come out really strong. So um, stay positive and stay focused on it. And thank you very much. And again, if I can help anyone individually, just contact me, I'm happy to help.
0: Thank you, Greg. And and just from Faith and I, I, I speak for both of us. I think that we care about each of you. We know many of you are struggling with fires and smoky situations in your community. And we just let you know that we're thinking about you and sending out our best wishes to each of you as you're, you're facing these continued challenges. But we're, we're stronger together. And I love having us all on a call like this, just so we can see one another and, and provide support. Just sometimes it's just that moral support that helps you get through the day some days. So thank you, everybody. Okay, I'm gonna end the call. And um, you always let Faith and I know other topics or resources that you might need to help you to stay successful. So you can continue to offer your training programs to your local businesses and industry partners. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Greg. Thank you. Thank you, Faith.